Well, good evening, Heart of the Bay. How are you doing tonight? Man, we're excited to be here as well, and we believe that God has good things in store. Um, we believe that God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. Uh, we believe that God is eager. Jesus said, fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So uh, the Bible says no good thing will He withhold from those that walk uprightly. And so God is a God who wants to bless and help and strengthen and heal, deliver, and just uh, help us in every way, shape, and form. Um, first of all, I want to say uh, that Lisa and I uh, really love and appreciate your pastors, Pastors Mark and Brenda. Don't you love and appreciate them? We think they're some of the best, some of the best anywhere. And uh, just really value them and their leadership here over the years. And um, I, I want to say thank you because um, Lisa and I have been traveling. Actually, we're going to be celebrating our 39th anniversary on Saturday. And um, our first year of marriage, we were janitors at a church. And uh, then ever since then, we've been preaching. So depending on whether you include the janitorial work or not, we've been in ministry all 39 years of our marriage or preaching-wise 38 years. And uh, we just, we are thankful for the privilege of serving God. And I want to thank you because you guys give so well to your church. Uh, your church has been able to help and bless us. Uh, you sent a really generous offering uh, just, what, a couple months ago. Um, and uh, I wanted to take just a minute and share with you because you've invested in our work. We want you to see a little bit of what you've helped us to do. So, gentlemen, if we could go ahead, or ladies, I don't know who's running things tonight, but if we could go ahead and pop up the first picture. Uh, we have some pictures. Uh, those are the books that um, uh, we've been able to see happen over the years. All of those on the right are the ones that uh, we've produced in English. And we've written eight books, uh, but on the left uh, are some of the titles in foreign languages. Uh, we have books in eight different languages, Arabic, Russian, uh, Greek, George, um, German, uh, French, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, and I miss it, maybe Indonesian, I think, maybe the eighth, if I got all eight listed. But there's a stack of at least some of them. Uh, and let's just go through these pictures here, um, give you a visual of some of what we've been privileged to do. Last uh, November and December, I was in Brazil, and these are Brazilian pastors uh, that are holding up a copy of our book, Lift, in Portuguese. And um, so if I didn't admit that, I don't think I mentioned that language for the books. But anyway, six of our books are in Portuguese. Next picture is going to be, uh, that's one of the Bible school graduations in Brazil. Uh, I spoke at a couple different graduations. There's now 116 Rama Bible training centers in Brazil. And they have, at, you know, during any given semester, they have 9,500 students enrolled in the Ramas. And that's just in the nation of Brazil only. And so that was one of the Bible school graduations I got to speak at last November, December. And then the next picture is, uh, this is, you, you, we just got back, uh, I just got back from a trip not terribly long ago. We started in England, went to Switzerland went to Beirut, Lebanon, 
went to Germany and then finished up in Cyprus. And this was in Switzerland. This was the Bible school near Lausanne. And all the students are holding a copy of one of our books in the French language, uh, Life After Death, Rediscovering Life After the Loss of a Loved One. It's, it's so fulfilling to go to different nations and see them using our books in different Bible schools uh, and things. The next picture is going to be, uh, that was Beirut just a few, uh, maybe a month, five weeks ago. And um, this church is located about 50 miles from Damascus, Syria. And um, uh, this pastor, those are his church leaders. They also have a um, Bible school right down by the Israeli border, uh, right in kind of the Hezbollah area. And um, so they're getting the gospel into the nation of Lebanon. It's a privilege to be with them. Uh, The next picture is going to be, uh, those are our four books in Arabic. Um, They've been translated in Egypt and they're circulating around uh, Middle East, Northern Africa, that type of thing. The next picture after that is, uh, that's Amgad. He's our Arabic translator and uh, he's holding grace, the DNA of God. And then somebody else, I don't know who else is holding, that's in search of Timothy in the uh, Arabic language. And then after that is a picture of, uh, that is a Kurdish pastor in northern Iraq. And um, uh, that's one of our Rama graduates who's ministering in Iraq. He and his family live there. I don't know the Iraq pastor's name, but I can find out. I can let you know. Not the same one that's smuggling into... No, I don't. I, that may or may. Do you want me to say what they're doing? Yeah. yeah. They're smuggling Bibles across the border That's into Iran, yeah. and that. But Grady is the guy. Grady is def, the guy in the green shirt. That's is the, the guy that's getting the Bibles smuggled yeah, into Iran. Definitely. Yeah, he's an American. Yeah, he's an American guy, and um, but that's one of his Kurdish uh, pastor friends, and I know you gave generously toward that as well. Got a. They have five little kids. Yeah, Grady, the guy in the green. Let me, do you want to tell a real quick story on that? Um, They've been in Erbil, Iraq for I think around eight, nine years, uh, maybe ten. And when they were there just a couple of years, they were in one of the marketplaces. And um, a a man attacked their little five-year-old daughter. And um, uh, the villagers, the mother had her back turned, and the villagers said... We saw, uh, we saw him stab her. And, um, but the villagers uh, pulled him off of the little girl and um, she ran away. And then he broke free and ran after her, tackled her, knocked her down. She's a five-year-old. Yeah. And, um, and again, the villagers pulled him off of her and they could not find any wounds on her at all. And um, so... Um, when her dad, that's her dad when her, in the green, when her dad got home that day, uh, he said, honey, what happened? And this is the little five-year-old girl. This is her, what she told her dad. She said, dad, the man tried to poke me, but the angel's wing got in the way and he couldn't poke me. And, and I, I ran away. And he knocked me down, but it didn't hurt because I fell on pillows. 
I'll let you interpret that however you want to interpret that. But um, I think out of the mouth of babes, you know. So, so that's Grady. He's been doing a good work, he and his whole family in Iraq. And then after that, what do we have? I don't remember what we have after that. Uh, that's our book, Grace, the DNA in Chinese, Mandarin. And it's going, it's in a final edit right now. And uh, it'll be released here very shortly. And what else do we have? I don't know what else, if, if we have other pictures... Uh, that's just one of our books in Zambia. We'll be going back next year to Zambia for the fourth time. And um, that's one of the pastors with our book, In Search of Timothy. In English, of course, they speak English there. And finally, these are just all eight books in English. And uh, we'll have these back at the back, uh, out in the lobby to the left. If you're interested in any of our materials, we've also got some audio things, some video materials as well. That go A lot go along with these books. And um, so, uh, you know, those are back there. And just to let you know what we have going the rest of this year, uh, I'll be making uh, trips to Austria. Uh, I'll be doing a conference in Turkey in August, right outside of the ruins of ancient Ephesus. Um, and then from there, we'll be going to Cairo, Egypt. And from there, uh, Paris, and then London, and then later in the year, we'll be doing a pastor's conference in Rome, Italy. And then we go to Nice, France, and then back to London again. I think that's the extent of, of what we're doing overseas this year. But, hey, before we jump into the Word of God, Lisa, my lovely wife of 39 years, she's going she's gonna to minister in song, and then I'll be back.
Let's all stand up. Let's mention his name. Jesus, we love you and honor you. Jesus, we, we give you glory. We thank you that yours is the name above every name. And Lord, we thank you there's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. And so, Lord, we thank you for that wonderful name, that majestic name. It is the name at which every knee must bow and every tongue must confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus is Lord. And we thank you tonight that, that every weapon, every device of the enemy has to bow, has to be broken, has to be destroyed and in retreat before that name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, this is a night of impartation. And so, Lord, we are open to whatever that your Holy Spirit wants to give, wants to deposit, wants to invest, wants to impart into our lives tonight. And so it's with great honor and with great respect that we humbly put a demand upon the, the, the willingness that you have, dear Father, to minister life to your people. Lord, we don't have to talk you into doing anything. Lord, you are eager. You're more than willing to impart blessing and healing and strength and glory into the lives of your people. And so, Father, we receive tonight with humble hearts all that you have. And we keep... Uh, fresh on our lips the name of Jesus because it is the name that is above every name we thank you for it in Jesus precious name and everybody said amen, amen. you can go ahead and be seated I uh, when Pastor Mark shared with me that he had on his heart that tonight would be a, a night of impartation I um, you know began to just listen and look and and uh, see what, what the Holy Spirit might be impressing upon my heart. And uh, I got this verse as a primary. We're going to look at some scriptures, and then in a bit we're going to pray uh, and minister to folks. But I got this scripture, Ephesians 3.20. And I like this, because it reveals the heart of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above, I, I like those three words, exceedingly, abundantly, above. Well, exceedingly, abundantly, above what? Above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Well, I want you to stop and think right now. There is a power that's at work in us. I think sometimes we get busy, we get distracted, we get diverted. Our attention gets, you know, uh, our focus is on other things. But, but I want you to know tonight that the greater one lives on the inside of you. 
greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The, the creator of the universe lives on the inside of us. And, and Paul said that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. And, and he goes on to say in verse 21, this is something we really want to emphasize because we don't want to just receive the blessings of God as some kind of toy to play with or something that's simply for our personal gratification, yeah. but it's for the glory of God. Yeah. So he says in verse 21, after he says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, he says, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, especially if we will give him the glory, there's no limit to what he will do for us. Yeah. Uh, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. And I want you to think tonight, you came in here probably facing certain challenges. You're, you, you're dealing with certain needs and, and things of that nature. I want you to know you are not facing those issues alone. God is on the inside of you. There's a power at work in you. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to know that God has empowerment for you. God has impartations for you to walk in His complete blessing, freedom, and liberty tonight. And, and I want to talk about three areas. I'm just going to touch on each one briefly. But there's three different levels that God wants to be doing exceedingly abundantly above all you and I can ask or think. Number one, God wants to do things for you. Say this, God, God wants to do things, to do things for, me. for me. And when we talk about God doing things for us, we're primarily talking about circumstances. How many of you know God cares about your circumstances? Uh, in the Psalms, it says, God will perfect the things that concern me. Yeah. If there's issues that concern you, that are about you, and that are matters of concern, God wants to work in your circumstances. God wants to work in your life to bring favor, to bring blessing, to bring help, to bring answers, to bring solutions. Uh, God wants to do things for you circumstantially. Secondly, God wants to do things in you. Do you know there's a difference between God doing something for you and God doing something in you? And how many of you know we don't need one or the other, we need both. God wants to do things for us, that's circumstantial, but God wants to do things in us, that's in our soul, in our character, in our attitudes, in our outlook. God wants to do things in us. When God does things for us, He changes circumstances. But when God does things in us, He transforms us. And thirdly, here's something very important. If you just allow God to do stuff for you and allow stuff, God to do stuff in you, well, that's good. But God has something even more. God wants to do things through you. And that's ministry. That's where, see, when God does stuff for you, you benefit. When God does stuff in you, you benefit. But when God does things through you, other people benefit. 
And see, when Paul said that, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think, he immediately then says, to him be the glory forever and ever. So see, it's not just about us being blessed, but it's also about us being a blessing. So let's, let's keep the full circuit in mind. But let's talk about these three areas. And we're going to talk about what God wants to do for you first. Does God care about the circumstances of His people? I want, to, I want you to look in your Bibles, and I think they'll probably have this on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 3. This is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament in particular. Uh, the setting is this. First of all, it was an absolutely hopeless situation. Man, if there was ever a situation where the circumstances seemed to be as bad as they could possibly be, it's here in 2 Kings chapter 7. The Syrian army has totally surrounded a village, uh, the Sumerians, in uh, the, kind of the northern part of Israel, and, um, and, and the people inside were on the brink of absolute starvation. And, and it says in verse 3, there were four leprous men. That means they had leprosy at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we'll die also. Now, therefore, let us come, uh, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Have you ever been in a situation where you've got three bad choices? I mean, it's one thing to have a good choice and a, maybe a better choice and then maybe a choice that's average. They had three horrible choices. Number one, go, you know, go into the city. Well, we're going to die there. Everybody's dying there from starvation. Number two, we can sit here. We're going to die. Number three, we can go out and just present ourselves to the Syrian army. Probably they'll kill us. But you know what? Maybe, maybe they'll feel sorry for us. You know, maybe they'll, uh, you know, throw us some food and tell us to leave and, you know, that type of thing. And uh, they had three bad choices. You know, what was that show? Do you want behind what's door number one, door number two, or door number three? And they all, none of them look good. But, but they said, look at what happens in verse five. I like this. Verse 5, and they rose at twilight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that, that wording is, is captivating. They rose at twilight. twilight. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminds me of Paul and Silas singing praises in the midnight hour. Yeah. But they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise... There was no one there for the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. the Lord. The Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And they, what they do, they arose and fled at twilight. 
You know what? I just think this is so fascinating. Four leprous men. They, I mean, they had nothing going for them. They had everything against them. Circumstances could not have been worse. But you know what? They just gave God something to work with. They rose at twilight. I don't even see here what you'd call great faith. They just, they just did something. They just acted. And you know what? The God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all they could ask or think worked in their situation. And God caused... You see, these four... See, these guys, they weren't even stomping their feet trying to sound loud. They're just walking out there. and, and they're, But God caused the enemy to hear what sounded like armies and horses and chariots. God has a good sound system. God's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all they could ask or think. And notice what happens here. And when these lepers came, uh, well, it says they arose and fled at twilight. This is the armies that were there. And they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And then they came back and entered another tent. They were probably hungry again because of all that work, digging a hole to bury the silver. So let's eat again. And they went into another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. See, and they're just sitting, they're probably eating, you know, all along. Somebody had a turkey leg, you know. Um, and, and they're just loading up all this gold and silver and they're taking it and burying it. And they're thinking, man, you know, we're, you know, they've gone from literally they've gone from rags to riches because of the blessing of God, because God did something for them. It, God changed their circumstances. And it's then verse nine. Then they said to one another, you know what? We're not doing right. We're not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until the morning light, maybe some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, let us go and tell the king's household. See, when God does something good for you, you want to tell somebody about it. We're not blessing hoarders. We're blessing sharers. But I love this story because it is a classic example of God changing somebody's circumstances. And uh, it just reminds us, I, I just love their faith. They said, why sit we here until we die? Let's just get up and do something. Let's act. See, God can, when, when, you know, getting up and walking doesn't seem like a big deal. But God is always you when people are just willing to do something with what they've got. Amen. You know, the little boy with his fish and loaves said, Gee, I don't have much, but Jesus hears. And, and Jesus multiplied it. You know, Moses didn't have much. He just had that stick. God said, what do you have? He said, I have a rod. And, and, but he threw it down and God, you know, used that rod to help Moses bring the greatest empire of the world to its knees. Um, the widow woman had a little fish and oil, a little oil, 
Um, you know, just the, the Bible is full of stories. Dorcas had a needle and thread, you know. But, but when people act, when they do something, you know, God, God moves. And, and, and all, the, all these four men did was they rose at twilight. They rose at twilight. And they took it. You know, I love the fact that Jesus, one man said to him, uh, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But, but he talked to the Lord about it. He was doing something with, with what he had. Right. And, uh, and, and God was able and did exceedingly abundantly above all they could have asked or they could have thought. Uh, so God wants to do things for us. Say this out loud with me. Say, God, God wants to do things for me. God wants to work in my circumstances. God wants to turn curse into blessing. God wants to turn lack into provision. God wants to turn Satan's attacks into his blessings. God wants to overtake us with blessing. God wants to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. God is more eager to bless us than we are to be blessed. Secondly, God wants to do things in us, not just for us. See, people can have their circumstances change, but they don't change on the inside. I believe in God moving in our circumstances. I believe God wants to, you know, straighten out things that have become messy and, and uh, you know, bring us in, into places of blessing circumstantially. But, but God wants to bring us into a place of blessing in our soul. Yeah. Do you know there are people in this world who have great circumstances, but they're in famine in their soul. Yeah. They have tons of money. They have yachts and they have multiple homes and they have, you know, gazillions of dollars. But in their soul, you know, the, the, the prosperity of the believer starts in the soul, starts with peace, starts with contentment, starts with joy, starts with assurance of of who we are in God. God wants to do a work in our soul. He wants us to be at peace. Um, you know, the world will do all kinds of things to steal, to rob our peace, to keep us in a perpetual state of confusion and agitation. But God is a God of peace. There's one verse I chose for this, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Say this out loud with me. Say it to him. You are the Father of mercies. You are the God of all comfort. Stop and think about that. When you're praying, when you're uh, getting your eyes upon Him, when, when you're coming out of a state of confusion or agitation, who, the God that you and I go to is the Father of mercies. Do you ever need mercy? He's the Father of mercy. He's the source. He's the originator. He is, uh, maybe I, I think this is okay to say, He is mercy personified. He's full of mercy. He's the Father of mercies. 
and he is the God of all comfort. Do you ever need comfort? What does Paul say about what God does? He comforts us in how much? All our tribulation. God comforts us in all of our tribulation. And just like God wants to do things for us, God wants to do things in us. And, and to what degree, to what extent does God want to do things for us? To what extent does God want to do things in us? How about exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us? He is the God who comforts us in all our tribulation. And this, see, here, here's the, the important part, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Right. Somebody once said, if God can get it through you, God will get it to you. He doesn't just comfort you so you can be comfortable. He comforts you so you can be a comforter. He comforts us in all our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So God wants to do things for us. He wants to work in our, in our circumstances. And He wants to do things in us. He wants to bring our soul into a state of, of peace instead of turmoil. He wants to bring us into a place of comfort instead of agitation. He wants to bring us into a place of joy instead of despair. He wants, he, he, God wants to do a work in us. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit will do that. He'll do it exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. God wants to do things for us. God wants to do things in us. And here's what we want to close with tonight. God wants to do things through us. God wants to do things through us. We were born for more than just being a recipient of the blessings of God. We were born to be reservoirs that have an overflow. We were born... I love Ephesians 2.10... Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship. How many of you, God's still working on you? How, how many of you know your spouse is a work in progress? Except for mine. Mine's perfect already. God's still working on every one of us, isn't He? Even the Apostle Paul said, I've not attained yet. I've not achieved perfection. What did he say? He said, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind. How many of you know you need to quit living in the past? You need to quit letting guilt beat you up. Quit letting Satan condemn you. What's under the blood is forgiven and gone. And, and we have his mercies are new every morning. And we're new creatures in Christ. We are his workmanship created in Christ. For good works. Isn't that something? Now, just a few verses before this, he said we're not saved by works. But we're saved for good works. In other words, works aren't the root of our salvation. Grace is. We are saved for good works. Works are the fruit of our salvation. And notice we are 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we're called not just to a momentary experience of blessing. We're called to a walk in which the, the works of God and, and the character of God and the blessings of God. And see, even when God does things in our circumstances, I mean, even those four leprous men said, man, we can't just keep this to ourselves. We need to go tell about it. We, need to, we, we shouldn't just hoard it. We, we need to let the king know so all the people can get in on these blessings. Uh, when God works in us, it, it's so that He comforts us, so that the comfort we have from Him, we can comfort others yeah. with the comfort. See, whatever God wants to get to us, He also wants to get through us. Right. And, and we are created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand. I want to make a statement here, and I, I want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm going to qualify it. God has called every believer to the ministry. Yeah. I didn't say God's called every believer to preach. You know, there's a five-fold uh, calling, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Not everybody's called to do that. But we're all called to serve God in some way, yeah. some way, shape, or form. Um, last night we looked at the verse that says, uh, there are many members in one body, but not all the members have the same function. Yeah. But God wants to work in and through all of us. You know, and, and some people, they, they, never, they never step into that third dimension. They're, they're wanting God to do things for them. Maybe they're okay with God doing things in them, but they never really stop about God doing things through them. Yeah. Maybe because they feel like, well, I'm unworthy. Maybe they think, well, I don't know that I have a call. Let, let me just assure you, you have a call from God yeah. to, to be an ambassador for Christ. Uh, we're called to pray. We're called to serve. We're called to give. God wants to work through every single one of us. Yes. And some people, they've compared themselves with certain preachers. Yeah. And they think, well, I could never do what they're doing. Well, you're not necessarily called to do what some preacher is called to do. You know, the only thing that God wants you to be is the best you that you can be. The best you that He will enable you to be by His work in you and by His work through you. It's amazing how many people, you know, even though they have a perception that, God, I don't think you could use me, God uses us anyway. I mean, so many of the people that God called, you know, Peter said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Paul said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God. But you know what? God didn't listen to their arguments. God used them anyway. You know, I, I found some interesting studies on some folks, two women in, in particular. Uh, one you'll, you'll have heard of, Catherine Kuhlman. Anybody hear of Catherine oh, yeah. Kuhlman? Another, probably you didn't, uh, Gladys uh, Aylward. Uh, Aylward, Gladys, uh, she was born in 1902, passed away in 1970. She had a distinguished and fruitful career as a single missionary working in China. And in reflecting on her decades of ministry, listen to what she said. I'm not even sure she's right. But this is what she said. She said... I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done in China. There had to have been somebody else. I don't know who it was. 
God's first choice. It must have been a man, a wonderful man, a well-educated man. I don't know what happened. Perhaps he died. Perhaps he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Aylward. I'm not sure she wasn't God's first choice. But the fact that she didn't think she was God's first choice didn't keep God from using her. Why? Because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Just because it's hard for you to think... Just because it's hard for you to get your brain around it doesn't mean that that's not exactly what God's going to do. Now, Catherine Kuhlman, many of you know, she had a powerful miracle healing evangelistic ministry. She also had a thought. She said, I believe God's first choice for this ministry was a man. His second choice, too. But no man was willing to pay the price. I was just naive enough to say, take nothing and use it. And he has been doing that ever since. I don't know that she was right in thinking that she wasn't God's first choice. I think a lot of people put... They see themselves differently than the way God sees them. And maybe they've been told by society, you can't do this because you're a woman. Maybe they've been told, you can't do this because you don't have this educational degree. You can't do this because you're not from this socioeconomic type. I don't think God is really impressed with any of those restrictions, limitations, or boundaries. Those are man-made boundaries, and God can shatter every single one of them because He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is working in us. God wants to do things for you. God wants to do things in you. And God wants to do things through you. A Christian should never... See, I think it's fascinating. These two great women ministers, even though they, they couldn't mentally accept the fact that they were God's first choice, I think they probably were, but, but God used them anyway. Because God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. So don't, don't use, well, I don't think I'm called to do that. When God may be wanting to use you to reach somebody that nobody else has reached, don't put limits. God is able to do more than you think He is. One, one element of it is simply to be willing to look for opportunities. Let me, let me encourage you to begin praying this, God... Use me in ways that you want to use me, not just in ways that I think I could be used. Do you know God might get you out of your comfort zone? God might put it on your heart to reach into somebody's life, to encourage somebody, to 
just show an interest in somebody. I like what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. Galatians 6, 10. Paul says, look at this, Therefore, as we have opportunity... Everybody say opportunity. opportunity. Are we so busy with our own lives that we don't look for opportunities? As we have opportunity... Let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know what? I, I think if you just, if you and I just looked for opportunities that were all around us, we could be full-time ministers just look, taking advantage of opportunities. I don't necessarily mean pays your salary or anything, but just, we, could, we could be really busy having God do things through us if we just looked for opportunities. And um, there's a couple verses... Uh, speaking of opportunities, because I really want to drive this home, that God wants to do things for you, in you, and through you. And, and I'm convinced that many people have limited God because they think, well, I'm not called to do this, I'm not called to do that, I'm not called to do this, I'm not... But what, what, what are the opportunities? That's right. Good. As we have opportunity, let us do good. good. Did you know that... Um, Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30. Yeah. It, it doesn't talk about somebody who's specifically called. Look, look at this. I looked for someone. How many of you are someone? I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for Someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. How many, how many times, I wonder, is God just looking for someone? Right. Now, whether Gladys Aylward or whether Catherine Kuhlman were God's first choice or not, they didn't think they were, but they were someone. Right. And they said yes. And I'm not saying that we can just, okay, well, Lord, I want to be the next Billy Graham, so that's who I'm going to be. Yeah, I'm not saying we can just... God does have specific callings for certain types of offices and things. I understand that. But how many situations are there in life where God's just looking for someone? Yes. I'm looking for someone. Mm -hmm. And God said, but I didn't find anyone. Mm -hmm. Because no one was... Willing. God wants to do things through us. Yes. And we get more excited thinking about God wanting to do stuff for us than to do stuff through us. But many times, if we let God do stuff through us, we may see more happening for us. God said, I look for someone. What, is God looking for someone today? Is God looking for someone tonight? Yes. Is God looking for someone who will say, Lord, here I am. I'm available. God, tomorrow at my workplace, there's someone there that you're dealing with and you're working in their life. Lord, I, I want to be available to be your vessel to encourage them. Lord, I, I want to be that someone who's available that God, when you're looking for somebody to get something done, I'll, I'll be the one that says, yes, Lord, I'll obey you. Amen. There's another really powerful verse. 
back in, um, it's one of the Chronicles. Let me find my verse here. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. The eyes of the Lord search through the whole earth in order to strengthen those who, whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God's looking for people. God's looking for people who will be available to Him, who will respond to Him, uh, who will be willing to, you know, step out and obey Him. And my message to you tonight is simply this. God is wanting to do more for us than we could ever imagine. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. He wants to do things for us. He wants to turn situations around. He wants to impact circumstances. He wants to take areas where, you know, Paul, Paul even faced this in life. There are places Paul wanted to go and he said, I, I would have come, but Satan hindered me. And, and, and sometimes people, they just need breakthroughs in their circumstances. God wants to do things for us. God also wants to do things in us. And God also wants to do things through us. And He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, according to the power that's at work in us. God wants to do more for us, in us, through us, than, than we have ever dreamed of. And so it's really appropriate that tonight is a night. Pastor Tom, I didn't ask you this, but can you play for us? While we get ready to pray, uh, pray for folks, is that okay? I should have communicated that ahead of time. I didn't do it. Um, but but we, wanna, we want to spend some time worshiping God here. And um, the Bible says in Acts chapter 13, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said... Yes. I believe that we're just, in a minute, we're going to stand up, we're going to worship God, and we're going to invite you, if, if you desire, uh, Lisa and I are going to pray uh, for you, and um, if you want God to do something for you, in you, or through you, that's exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think, we're going to invite you to come down. And um, when you come down, and Lisa and I stand in front of you, we're just going to ask you to say one of three words, or all three words. You, you may be here tonight, and you really need to do God to do something for you. Yeah. And all, all you need to do is say, we need God to do something for us. Or you may got, need God to do something in you. You just say, we, I need God to do something in me tonight. Or you might want to say, you may be coming down just for an impartation in terms of divine ability. That you know that God wants to do more through you than you've been allowing God to do through you. And you can just say, I want God to do things through me. And it's perfectly fine with us if you say, I want God to do something for me, in me, and through me. Because I, I don't think we're going to tire God out tonight. 
I don't think God says, now I just have this much to give, so tell folks don't be too stingy, don't be too greedy. Because, you know, you know, it's not like God said, I, I'm old, I just don't have what I used to have. I, I think if you check God's gauge, it's still set on exceedingly abundantly above. And, and nothing we do is going to drain Him in any way, shape, or form. So let's all stand up. If you want prayer, desire prayer, want us to lay hands on you, we're just going to ask you to slip down to the front right now. Oh, Pastor Mark is saying go to the sides. All right. Go to the sides. Pastor Mark would definitely know the logistics here better than I do. I'm guessing the ushers can help as well. Let's go ahead and lift our hands. Father, we thank you. We give you glory tonight. We just thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. We thank you that he's here to do a work. We thank you that, that you're so rich in provision, in mercy, in abundance. Lord, there's nothing that we need that you don't have. We thank you that you're powerful tonight to heal, to deliver, to set free. We thank you that you're powerful to impart to your people the full benefit and provision of all that Jesus purchased on Calvary. That, Lord, there can be a, a, a breaking forth and, and a multiplication of grace and peace and comfort Lord, wisdom. Father, whatever your people need, we thank you that you have. Father, we thank you that as we lay hands upon people tonight, we thank you that it's not just flesh touching flesh, but Father, it's your spirit touching the spirits of men. We thank you for a great provision. Lisa, come. Lord, we honor you and glorify you. There is none like you. There is no one who touches like you touch, heals like you heal, delivers like you deliver, sets free like you set free. Lord, tonight we're asking you to work in your people, for your people, through your people. And that, Lord, you're going to do a work in them that... This night will be a landmark. This night will be a milestone. Father, we believe that when we lay hands upon people, there will be a transmission. There will be a transference of divine power from the Spirit of Almighty God into the spirits, into the minds, into the bodies of these people. We believe that your, your angels... If there are things that angels need to do in their circumstances, we believe that angels will be released to facilitate the will of God and the plan of God to be accomplished. We believe that spirits who've been operating to hinder and to cause blockages 
hindrances that those spirits will be bound. Their, their maneuvers will be stopped. And the plan of God will be realized. Father, we thank you for it. We're expecting great things, wonderful things, awesome things, mighty things from the hand of Almighty God.